Gun. Boom, we are live. It's your boy Nolan Hawkeye Anthony here with my partner Dean to talk about the Iowa Hawkeye football press conference and the depth chart that, that was related or that was released. Um, Dean, how are you doing this morning, buddy? I'm doing great this morning. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I want to immediately jump in. First and foremost, guys, uh, again, on Facebook, we are uh, we are recording on Anchor. The plays have just gone through the roof, uh, which is a testament to you guys. Um, and it, it's the sincerest form of flattery, in my opinion. Uh, and it, it just shows me that you guys – truly, truly, truly love the Hawkeyes and love Iowa content. And so uh, me and Dean could not be uh, more grateful for that. And we finally have some football. I mean, Dean, I mean, this is finally after months. And I know we had the fall camp. And, I and yeah, we've had some pictures for this camp. But this was the first real real thing i mean if you want to get down to the nitty nitty gritty of it i mean this was about i think it's 16 days out so two weeks out from iowa's football game this was this was this was the real deal we're gonna have one more press conference obviously before the season starts uh before their game against purdue but uh I mean, how did it, how did it make you feel? Oh, made me feel like this is for real. It's coming. It's yes, coming. It and all I think mean, three freaking days of media days, you know, of players and coaches interviews and man, season's it's, coming. Yep, it's just like man, man, oh man, this is a lot to take in. But it was a, it was right. fun. Because it was, it, it just means that we're excited for football again, and football is back. It, it for me, uh, wow! I just uh, sounded like it just had a little uh, high school moment with my voice. Um, <laughs> for me, it sounded like it. It, it made me feel like uh, it just exactly what you said—that this is for real. The carpet is not going to get pulled up under us. Uh, out from under us, but it also made me feel uh, even more so uh, what I have been feeling, which is not, and I don't know how to articulate this perfectly, but not thankfulness to the Big Ten commissioner because he's the one that made the mistake in the first place, but, but an appreciation for Hawkeye football. Because when Hawkeye football is taken away from you like that, it's, uh, you know, for me, it was a very, very uh, frustrating situation. And uh, uh, especially with, with, with uh, all the unnecessary hoops and everything else that was going on 
And it's just, it was very, very frustrating. And so for me at this point, when I saw Kirk Ferentz talk, it just made me feel even more appreciative for Hawkeye football, for Big Ten football, um, and what the pleasure that it brings to our lives uh, and things like that. And so it felt good. I'll be honest. It, it really, it really, really, really did feel good. Um, and with so with that being said, guys, uh, obviously go to 247hawkeye.com. I'm going to be doing a huge write-up on uh, on this uh, on the depth chart. We're going to go depth charting. But I got to be honest, uh, there wasn't as much, uh, you know. I'm get, we're gonna. I'm gonna pull up the depth depth chart. And we're gonna talk about it a little bit. And yes, there were some surprises, Dean. There mm-hmm. were. Uh, but when Kirk Ferentz, it, even before Kirk Ferentz did this, and I texted it uh, to you in our group chat, I said that. A lot can change in two weeks because that's just how Kirk Ferentz does it. You know, Kirk Ferentz is the type of guy that uh, that does not reveal his whole deck of cards uh, to the opposing team uh, two weeks out just for the pleasure of the fans. Uh, he doesn't do that. And, uh, the, and when Coy Kronk wasn't starting – I knew that 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 something was off because there's no way that you uh, go and because I don't know if some fans realize this, but to for transfers to to come to your school most of the time, like the Charlie Jones from from Buffalo, the the especially the Koi Cronks and the Jack Heflins. Iowa recruits them nearly as hard as they recruit an actual scholarship player out of college. Okay, so and the difference is with the Koi Kronk and a Jack Heflin, they know exactly what they're getting. So when Koi Kronk wasn't listed as the starter, but uh, I knew something wasn't right. However, uh, it uh, either uh, I think it was Brian Ferentz who said that if the game if there was a game today that uh that our guy uh Koi Kronk would be starting at right tackle which makes me curious about who would be starting at, 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 at uh right guard and left guard so so let's run through it which Dean uh, what I mean what are your thoughts on the on the depth chart and some of your uh, maybe some of your biggest surprises um well I think at first my my biggest surprises were that um, both Corey Conk and Jack Heflin on their respective lines were listed as backup. But you're right, I saw that same quote from Brian Ferentz where it said that Conk would start if they were had a game today. So I uh, don't know how much to put in these depth charts, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the uh, surprises. I one of the surprises was is the is the two names on fullback. I never even heard of these guys. I didn't even look um, at the fullback. Pate Potabom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so, I always finds fullbacks out of uh out of these small towns where these kids played like running back for their small school. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and they are probably to, to go and play NAIA, uh, play running back at an NAIA school or running back at a, a Division three school. And then they, but they still decide that they would rather be a Hawkeye and play fullback. And what makes it even more funny is that the Hawkeyes put the fullback on the depth chart as opposed to three wide receivers and or two tight ends. <laughs> That's it. to me that is hysterical. Because tell me a depth chart across the country that would still have fullback uh, as. Uh, as uh, the group, and by the way, just just a little, uh, just a little th- side note here. Iowa has had the fullback position has had some of the most undervalued uh, uh, as far as team leaders. Um, if you go back to 2015. Uh, and and yes, and it's a selfless position. And and I'm I'm blanking on on the the fullback in 2015. But if you remember when he broke his leg, uh, and he was getting carted off the field, he turned back, and this was against Nebraska. And this was so the Hawkeyes defeated, and and win uh, the Big Ten West. And he turned back, and you could see it on ESPN on ESPN's camera. I did not break my effing leg to lose this game. Let's go! And you know <laughs> it, that just came that just came to mind because you know I think the fullback position for Iowa isn't, and yeah, they don't have the stats and yards, but it's a very important position, uh, 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 leadership wise, and things like that. To me, Dean, uh, getting out of the uh, the uh, fullback position, the two biggest takeaways I had, and I put, I wrote it on Twitter at two four seven Hawkeye. I don't even remember what I wrote. My two biggest takeaways were on Twitter. <laughs> I think uh, one was a funny one, and one was a serious one about the depth chart. But uh, as far as the depth chart goes, I'll say what my two biggest takeaways are right now. And that is, first and foremost, Sam Laporta is for real, okay? Uh, Sam Laporta, we have seen many cases, Dean, many a cases, where redshirt freshmen come back the next year and some other guy that's older outplays them and is the starter instead instead of the younger guy who maybe broke out a season before. We've seen that happen at Iowa, Dean. That did not happen here. Sam Laporta is the guy. And Sean Byers, the second guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I've been saying all year long, it's not going to be any of the young guys. It, it, the, the, uh, it, I, potentially maybe Josiah Meeman. The kid who had the offers from Penn State, uh, this would be two classes ago, not the one that last year where Iowa got uh, uh, two four-star tight ends. Uh, but this kid had offers from Penn State, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. I mean, we're talking the whole lot and chose the Hawkeyes. That wouldn't surprise me. 
told you, Dean, uh, 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 whenever it was, that it wouldn't surprise me if, may, if maybe Elijah Yevertson, a strong blocking tight end, got some run so that you could split Sean Beyer and Sam Laporta out wide. Uh, but uh, so that was uh, that was one big takeaway was the tight end position. Sam Laporta is the real deal. He is for real. Uh, same with Sean Beyer. And I, and I can't wait, Dean, to see Sean Beyer after a full season under his belt because the truth of the matter is – the truth of the matter is this with Sean Beyer. And uh, uh, I also want to talk about Jake Doozy here in a second and, and, and ask you what you think about Jake Doozy. But Sean Beyer – has the Iowa Hawkeye tight end position has been so good that it, uh, under Brian Ferentz that in recent years, had it been previous seasons, Sean Beyer probably would have been the number two tight end. But because of how good uh, the tight end position, even Nate, even waiting was that solid. Um it's just, you know, but who's more of a blocking tight end? Uh, in other seasons, Sean Bayer would have had a chance to play earlier, um, and he has stuck it out. Uh, and we've been hearing season after season after season what he's capable of doing. So I cannot wait to see uh, him uh, making plays this year. Um, oh, this was my other takeaway. But I, I'm going to do an individual takeaway, and, and, and then I'll give it to you, give it back okay. to you. All right. Um, I, I'll give you my big picture. So I'll do my individual takeaway, give it back to you, and then I'll do my big picture takeaway. Okay. Um, based off of uh, a, a text that you uh, and Paul uh, sent. Um, uh, the second big takeaway is Spencer Petrus is the starting quarterback. Um. I, I would find it hard. I think the, the Iowa coaching staff, if they really, really, really wanted to play chess at the quarterback position with Purdue, what they would do is they would put Spencer Petrus or Alex Padilla, like we've seen in the past, at certain positions. They did not do that this time. Uh they said a lot of great things about Alex Padilla, but this to me goes even more so to what I've said about looking at Peyton Mansell and what he is doing at Abilene Christian, lighten it up, and how Spencer passed him up, and deductive reasoning would conclude that Spencer Petrus is the real deal. And again, I've said it multiple times. I know the kid personally, he is the real deal. But I also thought that Alex Padilla still had a shot. But this unequivocally on an individual level, offensively, and then we'll go defensively, uh, showed that Iowa uh, 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 is set at quarterback with Spencer. And they have a good backup. Go ahead, Dean. All right. Well, while we're on this Spencer Petrus, uh, Petrus, <laughs> Petrus. Um, Petrus. I don't know which one. No, I'm kidding. It's Petrus. Yeah. yeah. He said, uh, he didn't say, but 
Kirk Ferentz said um, that I thought I found it interesting that he uh, not going to ask him to go out and win games for him this year, just to go out and manage the game because he has enough weapons around him to do that. Sure. But, you yeah. know, and I and I thought that was that was that was telling that that maybe we're finally going to open up this offense a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that that, that kind of stuck out at me and um right and i think one of the other things that stuck out at me is uh on this depth chart this um australian kicker is a oh yeah great great call dean great call Joey yep. taylor he is um six four and he's a freshman and there's no or next to this guy this guy is our solid number one punter and despite the fact of him getting there late and everything into practice, right. he must be just killing it in practice. Practice right. because he took this spot away from a junior who should have had that. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, absolutely right. And uh, gr- great, great job bringing that up. Um, I was pretty confident, Dean, that this kid was at least going to be in the fold as a sophomore or mm-hmm. a redshirt freshman mm-hmm. uh, based off of what um, what was our guy last year from Australia or Arizona State, but uh, Australia, what was his name again? I'm, I'm already blanking on his name. Oh, I am too. Oh, darn, you would have to bring that up, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm going to pull it up. Okay. But uh, oh, uh, Michael Sleep Dalton. Yeah, Michael Sleep Dalton. Yeah, Sleepy, uh, we, Sleepy Dalton. Yeah, Sleepy. <laughs> Michael Sleepy Dalton. Michael Sleepy Dalton. Uh, but uh, when 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 Michael said that in the tweet after the season that Iowa was getting a good one with this kid, um, that that said a lot to me. Um. Now, I put it in the correct perspective in that, you know, Sleep Dalton would not trash the, uh, a kid from the same institution that he goes to mm-hmm. uh, or, or hails from. He wouldn't trash him. But also, Sleep Dalton talked about him kind of almost like on an intimate level saying, no, this kid's the real deal. He's for real um, in his tweet. And so I knew he would absolutely have a shot. The fact that he won it outright, Dean, mm-hmm. against a junior scholarship punter right. is unfreaking believable and, and, and that brings me to another thing. Iowa has offered uh, kids before – uh, on special teams, the Keith Duncan and, and 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 that worked out. Keith Duncan, it worked out. But it seems more often than not, unless somebody can point it out to me, that it does not work. It does not work uh, with these scholarship guys. Ryan Gersande is a scholarship punter. He is. Uh, however. It does seem that the Australian, and I forget what the school is called, the Australian school, because they also have this for basketball, by the way. It's the same school. Okay. Um, and Which I'm going to talk about here as well in a moment. Uh, that once more colleges are aware of this institution, that the top guys coming out of the school year in, year out, 
are going to get have the scholarships from each school, from, you know, from the Michigans, the Penn States, the you know, just like just like a wide receiver. Uh, it's going to become more competitive. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it seems as though Iowa could have used their scholarship, that extra scholarship on a player that was not special team in years past, because I can't think of anybody besides Keith Duncan that it's worked for. Mm -hmm. However, with this Australian school, I think Iowa now has a nice pipeline now that they have two kids that are going to have graduated, that, that they are going to have graduated from the University of Iowa. So that's good for the Hawks. And two, in three years when this kid's a senior uh, or, you know, if he's good enough to leave as a junior, even though that's rare uh, at special teams position, uh, that the Australian, Australian school is going to be more competitive. Real quick, Dean, uh, with scholarships, what is your thought? And I remember when I was going through athletics, uh, especially when I got to college, uh, and I would talk to, you know, uh, uh, my European buddies. We would discuss basically how in Europe, if you are an athlete, you uh, don't you don't drop academic completely because because that's just not possible because uh, you 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 would start to have a very illiterate country. But in Europe, they have absolutely created a system where athletes leave their normal schools and go to these schools where all they do is train all day. Do you think that the United States should have an option like that? And I don't think this is political at all. I th I'm just asking, like, from an athletic standpoint, do you think that Iowa – or, or not Iowa – but the United States would benefit from letting kids, uh, you know, some of these five-star kids from from inner cities who absolutely are going to know that they're going to go play in the Big Ten or ACC since their freshman year of high school um, to maybe let them practice at some of these uh, year-round practice schools and things like that. My answer is easy. It's yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious what you think. My answer would be no. <laughs> and I'll tell you, okay, and, and, yeah, and I will tell you why, because all these kids belong to all these AAU teams. They get their, they get their 365, you know, um, days a year workout and practice on these AAU teams. And these AAU teams are, right. are pretty competitive. I don't know if Europe has what's considered, you know, an AAU type teams. Um, I don't think they do, but we also have, um, you know, for some of those kids, no, they do not. Yeah, and, and yeah, like for ahead. some of these kids, we also have these prep schools where if you're not quite ready, that you can go and you there can you train go. at some of these prep schools. You know, like the Murray Twins did last year. Um, so yeah, um, Nico Raziani. Yep. Yeah, and so I mean, that's just my perspective in, in in general. I guess they probably don't have AAU for football. I doubt they do. Um, that would be too hard on a body to play that much football. But, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> this is what it would do. Here are, here are the benefits, just real quick, and then we'll get back to the, the depth okay. chart. No, they do not have AAU. 
but they do play in tournaments year-round like AAU. The difference between uh, Europe and the United States, and let's just look at basketball, uh, it, let's look at every other sport but football, is that they go to school, or excuse me, their schooling is, is set up around getting practice and fundamentals in around the profession that they are likely going to spend at least four years after the age of 18 doing. Mm-hmm. So um, that is the difference. And the closest thing that we do have, you're right, is are the prep schools. And some of the best prep schools are where? Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so – uh, you're right. There is an option that is similar to that here in the United States. Um, I'm not, and and this discussion has been going on forever. I know uh, I took us to a different side of the ball game, <laughs> but I, I was just curious what you thought. Since we have an Australian punter who, literally, I mean, we this kid is so dang good because he punts all day. Mm-hmm. I and no, I mean it's just the truth. So, uh, but yeah, love it that you brought him up. He is absolutely and, – and the bigger thing, my, my big picture analysis, and then we'll go uh, to the defense uh, or, or maybe stay on offense if there's any other uh, things that are surprising. And we're, we're, we are going to cut Facebook off at, a, at uh, 35 minutes um, so that you guys can l- listen to the rest of the podcast, the NHA podcast on Audacity, where uh, it does uh, help 247hawkeye.com out as we do uh, get a little bit of coin, not a lot, not that me, Dean, or mm. Paul, or anybody needs it, but it, you know, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's extra incentive uh, at, at the very least. Uh, everybody likes to make a little bit of extra walking around mm-hmm. money, but um uh, the big picture thing that I have, and, and, and by the way, th- maybe that statement didn't sound the, the greatest to people who say they don't care about money. If you don't care about money, uh, the thing that I will say is, is that this allows us to uh, get more viewers as if you are hooked to listening to the show visually, you are more likely to go and finish out the podcast uh, on Audacity or SoundCloud, and that's the biggest reason why uh, me and Dean and uh, do this for the NHA podcast because uh, we, you know we want to grow our podcast audience even more and be able to share even more Iowa content with you guys because, uh, as we always say, that is what this is at the end of the day is giving you guys as much free content as we can. All right, big picture. 247hawkeye.com. Big picture is how freaking deep this Iowa Hawkeye team is. And I've been saying it since A.J. Epinesa left, Geno Stone left, Nate Stanley graduated. I have been saying it ever since then. (laughs) This is the most talented team Top to bottom. And let me tell you what I mean top to bottom, okay? I literally mean players 1 through 80 or whatever. I think it's 85 scholarship guys. And the one thing that uh, 
that that the BTN analysts do and say when they go through Iowa practices, it, they always say this. They always say, Iowa's starting guys are for real, and they will compete every, uh, j- just like every year for a Big Ten West title. But this is not the best team that we have seen all around. They always say that every single time. No more. No more will they be able to say that because Iowa has done two things, Dean. Number one, they have done a great job, an excellent job on the transfer uh, uh, unit. Mm-hmm. They aren't, Dean, they aren't picking up guys that that fizzled out. Uh, you know, they aren't picking guys that that transferred from Iowa because they weren't getting playing time, like that type right. of thing, they, it, like an Oliver Martin to Nebraska. They're not doing that, okay? Now, maybe you can maybe make the argument they did that with Oliver Martin with Michigan, but Oliver Martin was young, younger, and he was actually uh, on the depth chart to start for Michigan, uh, so that I wouldn't qualify that. And sorry, Oliver Martin, I'm using you as an example on this one, but I am. <laughs> I could e- easily use another guy as an example, P- Peyton Manziel. Mm-hmm. Iowa goes and lands guys like Koi Kronk, Jack Heflin, guys from other schools that are either graduate transfers who have seen a lot of playing time from a big school but more, more often than not, a small school, or, or they get guys like Charlie Jones and the other guy, who uh, wide receiver, who came from the Mac school, who are young freshmen that they go and talk to and, and have someone talk to them because I don't know if they can have direct conversation with these guys and say, listen, we want you at Iowa. If you want to show you can play on the biggest stage and, and get yourself to the NFL, coming here to Iowa is the best is the best thing. So Iowa through the transfer portal has done a phenomenal job of, of deepening their roster. And then obviously recruiting would be number two. What do you think, Dean? Um <laughs> that's a lot to, to um take in. Um honestly. Uh, like this Charlie Jones, because I know you're kind of referring to him a little bit and where he came from, Buffalo, I believe. I now they said he walked right. on, so I don't know if he transferred or or not, and I don't know much about that would still be considered a transfer. Yeah. Yes, but he he's just a, he's just a walk on in that Iowa didn't have a scholarship okay. to get. And I'm not sure that his reasonings for leaving Buffalo or and you said he was only a freshman at Buffalo. Yeah, he was uh, a true freshman. He redshirted last year, and now he is a redshirt freshman. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> um, that being said, yeah, Iowa has done a great eye for finding these transfer guys. Uh, they're not just taking anybody. They're just not opening up the portal and saying, whoa, okay, let's take these guys. I think they've done their homework on these guys because Iowa hasn't been burned yeah. on these transfers yet. Every one of these guys has come yeah. in and contributed very well. So um, maybe we'll see Iowa go more into it, you know, in the future. I don't know. But, yeah, they, they've done a great job. They've done a great job with these guys, picking them out and finding them. 
Uh, totally agree. Um, and for me, the, again, the biggest thing is just how deep this Iowa team is. Do, I mean, do you agree with that, Dean? Do you do you think that that this is a at least a top three, uh, top to bottom, one through eighty-five Iowa roster that you can remember in the Kirk Ferentz era? I mean, uh, I know you were talking to me. Uh, 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 using comparisons to the 2002 mm-hmm. squad. I mean, what do you think uh, there? Okay. Well, I think this um, compares favorably to the 2002 squad, and I'm going to have an article released hopefully any day now. I, I've not been happy with it, and I've been kind of dragging my feet on it, but I'm still trying to figure it all out. But um, but I do talk about that, and I was going to kind of go in and, and pull up the two, two 2015 team, too, and and see how, how it fit there. I haven't looked at that yet, but those are those championship-run teams that we've had in the past. Um, and, you know, so um, – but I forgot my train of thought here. <laughs> oh, the deep – the deep is well, about the deep team. Yes. The top three Iowa team, uh, top to bottom, yeah. in the Kirk Ferentz yeah. era. So I would think that this is probably one of his deepest squads. I would agree with you, especially on offense. I mean, this offense is set to roll for the next few years for sure. I mean, we don't know what's coming in the future, but but we do know who they've gone after and who they've signed for the following couple of years. And and so the, at least the offense is loaded. Um, I'm not I, I'm not as convinced on the defense because I a lot of these names are not known names we haven't talked about before on the two deeps that we talked about all summer, but, um, yeah, we'll get, to that yeah, in a moment. Yeah, yeah. but, um, but yeah, the offense, um, I'm really impressed. I mean, because I mean, we're losing two wideouts this year, but we've got two wideouts coming back and it sounds like Charlie Jones is going to figure it out. And, um, we, Dean, we're going to have 10 returning players next year. If Tyler Linderbaum, does not come back. Or let me do the math real quick. Let me let me let me okay. do it real quick. And, and 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 this just shows you how good of a spot our offense is in. Um. So, but it does sound like you're not as convinced on the defensive side uh, as I mm-hmm. am. Uh, which is that's why I have you on <laughs> here. Is you know, um, so that so that the fans can have uh you know uh different point mm-hmm. of views. Um, we'll get to the defense okay. here in a moment. It, it, uh, Brandon Smith is going to leave, uh, and Amir Smith are going to leave due to graduation. That's right. two guys. Right now, uh, you have Sam Laporta's one, uh, Cody Ince two, Tyler Linderbaum three, Kyler Schott four, Mark Kellenberger five, Spencer Petras six. Tyler Goodson, seven. Ivory Kelly Martin, you could even count as eight. Um, uh, one of the fullbacks, Monte Pottenbaum, <laughs> as seven mm-hmm. or eight. And then Keith Duncan, nine. That is eight, nine guys. <laughs> and then if you count Nico Rajani, a.k.a. Nico Regani, and and uh, and um, Tyrone Tracy, Dean, that's a legit 10 guys with starting experience coming back for the Hawkeyes next oh, yeah. year. Hey, you're, getting me, you're getting me all hyped up for next year already. <laughs> we so haven't that, even finished the 20 season. You got me all hyped up for 2021 now. Know. You know me, though. You know me, though. It's just, it's just 
But I think that goes even more to my point, just how loaded this team is. And uh, one, two more minutes here on Facebook, then we're going to uh, finish out on uh, just on the NHA podcast. Uh, however, you can go to Periscope uh, and find us at 247 Hawkeye and watch there. Um, but we're going to shut it down on Facebook. Um, final uh, thoughts. Uh, to and and then you and me will continue on uh, on 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 anchor on the uh, NHA podcast episode eighty seven. Can't believe we're on eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, I don't want to just throw out the defense to you, but it, it, final thoughts, Dean that 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 you can give uh, out or, or just like anything that you saw that was pretty interesting to you that we haven't talked about yet, offense or defense. Go ahead. Um, well, I'm going to, the thing that jumped out of me on the, um, offense, um, when I saw the two deep deeps come out is just about, we pretty much, pretty much nailed it all summer long, except for there was a couple names that popped up that I didn't know about. I guess I don't know why. Right. Cody Impen. Yeah. And Cody his, his backup, yeah. Luke Impen? Impen? Yeah, Luke Empion or something like that. Yeah, a crazy. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, we pretty much – That's two guys now, Dean. That's two guys now that the uh, Hawkeye coaching – Tim Polisek and the Haw- Hawkeye coaching staff have turned walk-ons into mm-hmm. legit Iowa off- offensive line. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. They – yeah, that's what that that great workout that they have in the weight room helps helps build these guys up. Right. But yeah, and so <laughs> that name I hadn't heard of before, and the other name I hadn't heard of before at right guard backup is Noah Finsky. Um, but he's three hundred and seven pounds, and he's a redshirt freshman. Holy cow, that guy! That, that guy yeah, is huge. He, he was a scholarship <laughs> player two years ago. He was. He's huge. Yep, yep. He was a scholarship guy two years ago out of I think New Hampton, okay. Iowa. I think that's where he came from. Not, I think he was like a five-six recruit, five point six, like on rivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, not super high. Uh, what do you think on defense? Go ahead. Okay. On defense, um, one of the things that stood out to me was um, we talked about this guy um, Barrington Wade, but I, but I do yeah. not know uh, if we talked about him. We, I don't know if we talked about him in the cast position or not, but I know we had said that he was a possibility. Yes, we, we have. have. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, you know, he's he's the starting cash, and I know that a lot of people thought it would be on uh, Dane Belton, but he's listed as the backup. And I personally was pulling for Nick Neiman the whole time, but it didn't happen. I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> but but you yeah. but you, but you can see. Yeah, it didn't happen quite that way. It didn't happen that quite quite that way. This is what I'm gonna say to Facebook before we're out. Your boy here. <laughs> was absolutely spot on, uh, it, not 100% spot on on offense. I mean, you could not uh, – there's no way anybody could have known of Luke Empen out of Clinton, Iowa, okay? <laughs> uh, I mean, he wasn't even talked about last year. But spot on with the Sam Laporta, and, 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 and you know, that's not anything big or anything, you know, huge. But the big thing that was spot on was the Dane me uh, pounding the desk saying Dane Belton f- 
Bill Parker does not want Dane Belton to play mm-hmm. cash. He wants him to play safety because safety is a position where usually, I mean, if if Desmond King wasn't so dang good at corner and Josh Jackson wasn't so dang good mm-hmm. at corner and 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 it wouldn't ha- and it wouldn't have ruined their chances of a high NFL draft pick by moving them to safety, then he would have moved them to safety because safety is reserved for a guy for for one of the most talented, smartest guys on the football field in di- especially the strong safety in diagnosing plays and coming down into the box and making plays. And so I was pounding my hand on the desk saying that that Iowa was looking for somebody to, to take over that role. Now, I was not correct in that I thought it was going to be Justin Jacobs. It looks that Iowa wants him to be more um, of, of a – uh, of of the of the will linebacker, they want they're they're training him to be to to take over after Nick Neiman graduates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it's good that Iowa has the depth je- there. But we did talk about Barrington Wade. We have been talking about Barrington Wade. It, it, in fact, I talked about it yesterday morning. It does not surprise me one bit that Barrington Wade, a senior. Considering three years in a row, dating back to 2000, you know, you have Bo Bauer, you had uh, Jack Hockaday, and then you had uh, Christian Welsh, senior linebackers coming in and making an impact. And and that's when I threw Barrington Wade in there. So uh, your boy here always <laughs> got your back, always got your back. And uh, always got you locked and loaded. All right, Facebook, we're going to sign off and say adios. Uh, Dean, say goodbye. And um, uh, goodbye, Facebook. And we are going to continue on the NHA podcast. You can find us on uh, Periscope at 247Hawkeye on on, um, uh, uh, Twitter uh, at 247Hawkeye. And it's the same thing for Periscope. All right, guys. Thanks, uh, Facebook. Uh, just give it. We have given you way too much content, <laughs> Facebook. Way too much. Love you guys. <laughs> All right, Dean. Uh, we're back. I mean, seriously, Dean. I I have given Facebook a lot of content. Holy smokes. Um, but uh, no. I mean, did, Dean, did I one hundred percent get the Barrington Wade thing correct? No. But I yesterday I did say that that Iowa w- was going to be fine at linebacker, and that it would not surprise me if Barrington Wade rounded out the group. And and here's the thing: you can't really uh, get on a guy for saying, you know that. Well, I think that this guy was going to be weak side, and this guy mm-hmm. was going to be left side. That stuff is 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 is. We're not at practice. We don't right. know, you, you know. So all we could do is just give our best educated guess. Um, but uh, you know, if that holds out for Barrington Wade, what a story that will be, and I will be 
happy as hell for that to happen because, I, you know, quite frankly, Dean, I have been waiting for a while now uh, for Barrington Wade to finally break through. Yeah. It's just the um, – here, I'm going to do so- something real quick. You're, you're not going to hear me for one second. Here we go. Um, it's just been that the Iowa guys um, linebacking group has been so damn solid. And I think that uh, Christian Welsh will eventually be a starting linebacker. I think he's athletic enough. I think he's big enough. Or, or maybe not a starter, but a contributor in the NFL. Um, and, you know, um, and it, 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 that's just the way it goes. But, but, and maybe this is a good good segue into uh, Brian Ferentz's comments, I guess, on on the investigation, and because we do got to hit that a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, you know, Barrington Wade is an example of, to me, uh, of guys that if it, if it was so bad at Iowa, why would you stay? And, and you know, Barrington Wade being uh, uh, a black individual, uh, and it, it's not like he got tons and tons of playing time. And I don't think he's even started a game. Yet he has stuck it out. It's obvious that he likes the University of Iowa. And so that's why when the investigation started coming out, I just started raising some questions, such as why recruiting was doing so well, why uh, we had never heard a peep of this really before? Uh, why uh, and there were some, some why you know why guys like James Daniels didn't pick Ohio State over over Iowa when they had all you know all access passes to mm-hmm. Iowa? Um, but but sticking with Barrington Wade for a second, and and I don't want to talk about Brian Parents for a ton of time, just for for maybe a minute or two. Uh, it will be such an awesome story if he ends up being the cash linebacker uh, and and uh, Iowa can stick to that 4-3 base um, and take him out on obvious passing downs. Um, my, my answer to what Brian Ferentz said, I, I do think his apology was sincere. Mm-hmm. I do. But I also think it was a lot of hand-holding as well. Uh, and, when I, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. What I mean is one of those things where you have to do it. You know you're going to get asked about it. There was no, like, absolute. There was no absolution truth that came out. Uh, but he was obvious, and, and, and I have my own personal reaction to this. Uh, that he was sad about player that certain players had the experiences like they did. Now, I want to say this about that, and so he, and so that part I do feel was absolutely true uh, in how he felt. If this was when I was in college, which would be uh, uh, 2014, 2015, uh, those years, I would never dream of my coach talking about my quote-unquote experience and how I felt. I mean, that's just the truth, Dean. 
And I maybe that makes me sound like a jerk. Uh, it is what it is. That just would never have happened uh, for for uh, for myself or anyone at any school um, uh, playing Division One sports. And which brings me to my second point, which is that as long as the universities are the way they are, universities like Iowa and Alabama and, and all these uh, and Clemson are going to have to keep an eye on how uh, on a much smaller level on how they treat guys. They, 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 they are. Uh, I don't think we live in the day and age anymore where you can uh, yell at a player and have it be considered love without potential retaliation against said coach, um, you know, just because of uh, media, the media and how much they love to push the race narrative. And so I just don't think it's possible. And so from that standpoint, I think Iowa did the best thing. And I said it yesterday on the Facebook Live thing that Iowa, that this ended up being, this ended up being better for Iowa than it was bad. The, the bad was they lost Doyle, a 20-year guy that, that helped many a players and would have helped many more players. Now, I understand some people uh, would take the opposite side and say, well, no, he was a racist. And even though the investigation didn't fully say that or show that, that's what I believe. Fine. That's, that's fine if you want to believe that. Um, but he's gone. His son is gone, Dylan Doyle. Uh, so those are losses, no matter how you look at it. They are losses to a program that has been stable. But all in all, Dean, this led to Iowa uh, building uh, basically a black leadership group, council group, uh, as well as a, a leadership group where white player, all the, every player that has a um, an interpersonal small uh, issue, or and when I say small, I don't mean that the issue is small. I mean on an individual level that they can bring it to the coaching staff, and I think that this helps recruiting. I think that this saved Iowa's program and that this will continue putting Iowa in the right direction, uh, recruiting, uh, getting players from inner city schools uh, like they have been doing, but I think they will continue to do even more and on a higher level now as the experiences of black players will be even better uh, for Iowa players. Um with the group. And so I think good has come out of this, I guess is what I'm saying. And then uh, my comments towards what Brian Ferentz said, stand as well. Go ahead. Um, there's my, oh, I'm a lot of scratching going on. Um, okay. So my takeaway from Brian Ferentz is this. Uh, I believe as you do, that his apology was very sincere. And I think he wants to make, he wants to make Correct. changes. Some of the comments that I read by him, though, sound like he might have been spoon-fed some of the answers. Yeah, you know, of course. But um, yep. but I think the biggest thing yeah. that of course. that a lot of us can take away from this is when he said, um, "It's he goes, it's not what I was saying, but what did they hear?" 
you know, because he didn't realize that what, what they were yes. hearing was something totally different than what he was saying. And, and I, sure. it hurts, it, you know, it hurts. Even I, I was, a, I've been a coach before I've coached a lot of seasons of, of basketball, right. soccer and um, softball. And it hurts when you hear one of your yep. former players say something negative about you. And all you really wanted to be was a positive. You wanted to be a positive influence on their life, not not only on the 100%. life, but on the field. And yep. then you find out you weren't. It hurts. I mean, I can tell you as a former coach, it hurts. So I believe Brian Ferentz hurts in that regard that he's not – that he's, that totally he's taking agree. a serious trick. Totally and while we're still on that subject, one other thing I wanted to bring up was um, – Derek Foster, as everybody knows, is a black coach on the team. Um, yeah. And he, in his statement. I think over half the coaching staff is yeah, black, by yeah. the way. There's quite a few. Go ahead. He, it's interesting to say in the two years that he's been a part of this team, he said that he thought the culture was fine. He didn't see anything going on. But he did say that this team is, is closer knit and tighter knit now than it has been in the two years that he's been there. And. So, wow, that's a big comment from from Derek Foster. I did not know he made that comment. Uh, that's huge, Dean. That that is huge, and I think that validates the the uh, investigation mm-hmm. even more. Uh, and, and that, Dean, that was one of my other big arguments was half of the coaching staff is black, and if the program was so terrible then A, why didn't they do something to try and change it? Or B, mm-hmm. leave. And neither, you know, neither happened. And so that's why I said that I think that we are living in a day and age where the media pushes fear, uh, pushes all this, uh, uh, you know, race-related uh, stuff. And it's very unfortunate and I think college programs are going to have to deal with that moving forward. They just are. Uh, as long as that continues to, to be a thing in the United States that, that, uh, that uh, where people go to get their news, uh, you, instead of using it for news, they use it for political purposes. Um, and so... Um, and I think that was probably the biggest thing that led to this, Dean, is I think you had a bunch of um, I think you had a bunch of kids who felt from the from the from the news that they were watching, from the teachers that they were listening mm-hmm. to. Um, and let's be honest, it, 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 they pro- each individual player had their own bubble that they were mm-hmm. living in. Uh, the, and that bubble told them that they needed to try and make a change uh, to the biggest place that they knew and were a part of. And what was that university of Iowa? And so I think that was it. The last, um, and and I think everything you said, Dean was absolutely true and, and, and well done bringing up the Derek Foster comment. The last comment I want to uh, say with Brian Ferentz uh, as to what you said, because I've been a coach as well for water polo basketball you're absolutely right. This is what Brian Ferentz said. And I think this is the most telling uh, thing that he said uh, uh, and probably the, the most honest thing that he said. What I tried to share was how much I love this place and how much I care and feel strongly about this place. I did tell the football team that if I am not a part of the solution, 
if I'm ever not part of pushing this place forward and making it better, then I have no interest in being a part of it. And I will happily, or I, and I will be happy to walk away because this place is that important to me. I 1000% mm-hmm. agree with that. Brian Ferentz could coach at, at nearly every university uh, he could probably be the head coach of some Mac school right now. Uh, and I 100% believe that. And, and I think that is the biggest thing that stung the coaching staff is that I believe every coach, and I've said this before, and, and yes, we're, we're, we're going a little bit away from the, and we'll go back to the depth chart and, and, and start talking about some of the things that Kirk Ferentz said as well. But I think that this is the most close-knit um, coaching staff and talented coaching staff that Kirk Ferentz has had. Uh, I think in previous years, you've had a, a, a big difference with the offense from the defense or the defense from the offense. Uh, you've had issues on a, on a smaller scale within the offense. Uh, you know, in the in the Greg Davis years with how Ferris wanted to do it, but how Greg Davis wanted to do it, things like that. Um, and I don't think you have that now. I think the Iowa coaching staff knows how they want to develop the program. They know how they want to recruit. They know how they, they want to win. And, and I think all those things are true. Um, so really quickly, let's go back to the depth chart. I'm glad we hit on that, and I think uh, you know we hit on everything we should. Uh, I mean, Dean, we did spend probably th- three hours discussing that that whole thing on the podcast and mm-hmm. on Facebook. Uh, so you know, I think I think uh, it, what's done is done, and I think Paul. Uh, the last thing I'll say, Paul made a really good point when he said that if there was a smoking gun that the national media and the regional media would, after the investigation would have absolutely destroyed the Iowa program. And that's not what happened. Um, so anyways, all right. The other big thing that I take away, I had, by the way, guys go to two, four, seven Hawkeye.com. We have some great articles coming your way. Dean, uh, already spoke about his, uh, article, uh, that he's working on where he's comparing uh, this current roster to the tw- uh, 2002, to basically winning uh, the, some of the top winning programs that Iowa has had. That should be a doozy. Um, uh, there was a great article, by the way, I saw about Jake Doozy, the tight end that got away, and I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, he, he is probably the most talented tight end that did not make it to the NFL because of injuries. Um, and I'm going to have an article as soon as we're me and Dean are finished here, uh, I just get, giving my takeaways of the depth chart. The two biggest things I have on defense, Dean, is number one, correct on Logan Lee, but not what mm-hmm. I thought. Okay? I thought Logan Lee was going to be third string Defensive end slash D tackle, very similar to a uh, uh, to 
to a Anthony now or very similar to a Parker Hesse and uh, 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 AJ okay. Panessa. Uh, and, and, and maybe that's still possible. Maybe that's still possible. But the fact that he's on the right end behind Chauncey shows that he's got some, some, some speed to him. Shows that he's got some explosion to him. Um, the other thing that, that, that I'm a little surprised about is, uh, Noah Shannon just has not made the jump. And the, and the, and those two take there's four takeaways for me on the defensive line. Noah Shannon has not made the jump that we all expected. I mean, he looked like a perfect Iowa recruit coming from the state of Illinois, a big-bodied six-foot Mike Daniels type, um, and it hasn't translated. Now he is only a sophomore, and he is behind a very, very, very talented Davion Nixon and very, very, very talented Jack Heflin. The other thing is Austin Schultz, a great, another great senior, uh, senior season story. Guy stuck it out multiple times. Uh, uh, we heard rumors that he was going to quit or transfer. He has stuck it out and, uh, and is now looking like he's going to be uh, the starting guy unless Jack Heflin, unless, Dean, and, and I'm curious what you think, unless Jack Heflin is actually the starter. If, the, if it were to start today, uh, Jack Heflin, like Coit Cron, Jack, Jack Heflin would be the starter, not uh, – not, uh, 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 Austin Schultz. What do you think there? Do you, if the game were to start today, do you think Austin Schultz or uh, Jack Heflin would okay. be the starter? Will you be asking Jack Heflin to move from the left tackle to the right tackle, which is not unusual from um, uh, Kirk Ferentz's line team because they do switch. They do they do change right. around, especially sometimes in the game. They'll move them around. But and I'm not really – I'll be honest with you, Dean. I don't know th that much about football, the difference between uh, – I've always just viewed a defensive tackle as a defensive tackle, whether it's on the left side or the right side, uh, and I'm probably incorrect about okay. that. But anyway, so, go ahead. Um, Austin Schulte, I, he could – I don't know. I think his, his, his summer workouts in his garage with his brother have paid off for him this year. I think he's, I think he's solid. I think he's going to be there. Um, and so honest, honestly, honestly, and I just don't see Jack Heflin taking Nixon out, Davian Nixon out. How is he going to do that? No, he's not. Yeah, you're right. He's not. Davion Nixon is the starter yeah. there unequivocally. Davion Nixon is unequivocally the, uh, the starter. Uh, but either way, the good news is this is if Austin Schultz is the guy Iowa has three legit solid options at defensive tackle, which if we're looking at it right now, which brings me to the other thing that I forgot to say I was right about on Facebook was, and I said this two years ago, I literally said two years ago that Zach Van Volkenberg, when he came to Iowa, that he would not start or get, see that many snaps when he first came to Iowa but by his senior year, he would be a starter, and boom, that was correct. I wish I would have marked that and, and saved that video clip. 
because 100%, uh, I said that, and, and he even goes even more to what I've been saying about Iowa getting guys uh, in the transfer portal that, ha- that have high upside. Again, we're not talking about guys that leave uh, you know, big schools because of playing time issues. We're talking about guys that have high upside and are going to, going to Iowa to prove that they can play on the big stage. Um, and he's another example. And, uh, you know, I thought, I, I, Dean, I'll be honest with you. I thought the four-star John Wagner, who had offers from everyone, was going to be the, was going to take uh, AJ Epinesa's spot. Um, unless... Unless this is just completely not correct and it's completely throwing us off, uh, it looks like they want him on the inside. And, but, and that's very surprising to me, Dean, as we have never seen that. For, for the past year and a half, we have seen John Wagner as second string right. defensive end. So I'm, what, what do you think is going on? There? I think what, what it means think? is that they're trying to get their best players on the field, and Zach Valkenberg is Van Valkenberg. Yeah, has, One way or another. has, has yep. risen to the occasion. It's hard for me to imagine. Of course, he won't. He won't be the <clears throat> AJ Epineza, but it's hard for me to imagine that. You know, I, I got I, I don't know what. I'm going to type up his stats real quick at his the small school he went to. I mean, they were yeah. they were. But he must the really be, he must really, really be standing out in practices and stuff because I I was like you. What do you think this means for? Go ahead, yeah, go oh, ahead. No, no, no and I was Sorry. like you. I kind of thought um, John Wagner would be that um, that right end, but the D end, but. Um, yeah, what does that mean? What, why are they moving him inside? Do you think that this is Iowa just trying to get uh, them? Do you think that this is Iowa changing their fundamental I, idea of the defensive line, meaning that meaning they don't care if if somebody is a defensive tackle, a pure defensive tackle, or a pure defensive end. They just want to get their best athletes on there. Do you think that John Wagner, uh, they think, will be better on the inside, will be an NFL-caliber type guy on the inside, uh, and that's why they're moving him there? Because usually, Dean, they don't change a guy who who has promise at one position to another position unless he has some real high upside. I, I think it's, going it's, on there? It's, a, it's a fact that they're just trying to find the right combination of the guys, the best guys to get on that line. Uh, right. And so it's got five guys on the line, right? And so, yeah. So I think what they're yeah. doing is, is getting their five best guys starting and they're moving them around because that's the way Iowa always has been. They want their five best linemen on there, no matter where, um, where their normal spot is. And, and one of the things that Iowa linemen have been very versatile in the past is uh, on the fly. Had they been able to change right in the middle of the game, depending on the situation or injuries, you know, You're absolutely so I right. think, you yep. know, what yep. we've seen on too deep is just to get these names out here. I'm not sure if this is exactly what we're going to see when they take the field. You know, when the two deeps for Purdue come out, in two weeks, you know, will the two deeps look quite a bit different? 
I think we're going to see a lot of differences. Yeah, I think I think uh, I would put my money that uh, at least four starters, not uh, combined offensively and defensively, that are starting right now will not start going into the game uh, uh, against Purdue. Uh, but but um, and Dean, I know you got to get going here. You, you have about six minutes left. Um, Real quick on Zach Van Volkenberg, and I, I've been high on this kid since day one because the kid showed how freakishly athletic he was, and I think you're going to see this, Dean, when Iowa play, uh, when he when he's full blown with Iowa uh, against Purdue and the other teams. Um. I, I, I could not wait for this guy to play. Um, it, it's just when he came to Iowa, he was a little undersized because mm-hmm. he went to Hillsdale College. Do you know what Hillsdale, is Hillsdale like College is? Like type school? I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Yeah, I think, it, I think you're right. I think it is Division Three actually. But Hillsdale College is the uh, – uh, how do I say this? Well, if I call most universities on the left, I, I got to call a spade a spade the other way around. Hillsdale College is a private university. My niece uh, actually is going to Hillsdale College. Uh, she's 17. She's uh, just had an interview with them. I know the listeners don't care about this. But Hillsdale College is uh, uh, Dennis Prager and all those talk show guys uh, fundraising for a university that has more Christian ideals, more uh, um, uh, conservative uh, ideals, that type of uh, university. Um, and we're not talking like crazy right wing, like, you know, we're not talking that. Uh, but uh, uh, from what I've gathered, that that's what it is. And more, uh, from what I have heard is it's a, a school that actually teaches what matters and and you know that's anecdotal but but that's what hillsdale is um hillsdale is a is something that is associated uh with uh with the with the right and some of the uh top um conservative talk show hosts but anyways so that definitely in my opinion that definitely says something about uh zach van volkenberg because not that he's conservative but that he is mm-hmm. very smart. It's a very tough school to get into. This is uh, what they have on Zach Van Bolkenberg. Name defensive, uh, and this is on Iowa's thing. Named defensive lineman of the year in Great Midwest Athletic Conference in 2018, recorded 70 tackles mm-hmm. as a sophomore, including 14 and a half tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks, along with three forced fumbles. I don't give a damn if that's D3 Dean or NAIA. That is still putting up. Now you know why he's on the right end. Numbers. And and <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, um, not everybody can make the leap from D- D- Division Three to uh, uh, Division One. But let me give you an example of the other way around. Brandon Wager former uh, Iowa running back, goes to Division Three school, dominates, just as Zach Van Volkenberg 
dominates at Division Three and then goes to Division One school. And Brandon Blager was pretty dang good at Iowa. So, uh, you know, talent is talent, guys. Scotty Pippen uh, didn't even go to a Division One school. So, uh, yes, usually Division One matters, but we see uh, countless guys get drafted from Division Two schools, Division One AA schools um, in the NFL draft. Um, the other thing is obviously, Dean. Uh, before I let you go, uh, we got uh, two minutes here. Um, is it, we could talk about the linebacking group, but we knew what it was going to be. It was going to be Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, Nick Neiman, Justin Jacobs. We got that right. Riley Moss and Matt Hankins. I I got I called that one right there. I said Riley Moss would start. Uh, in the article, the latest article I had for the cornerback position, um, and I, in my opinion, Dean, and it looks as though that's correct on the left corner side, that if Julius Brents was going to beat somebody out, it was not going to be Riley Moss. It was going to be Matt Hankins. Um, and the, I, I don't, I, I can't remember a time that the cornerback position has been this athletic. Um, and uh, have to play one on, uh, you know, man-to-man coverage with guys as athletic as Riley Moss, uh, as physically, athletically gifted as Julius Brents and Matt Hankins, for that matter, because Matt Hankins mm-hmm. is stupid athletic. He just – we just haven't been able to see it because he hasn't forced a lot of turnovers. Um, what do you think there? Okay. Well, I do know that um... – this is the biggest concern the, the these D backs that you're talking about now are the biggest concern for um, Phil Parker on the team. Um, there's yes, that's what he said. Really? This is where he, his strength, he feels okay. his strength are his linebackers, okay. but his DBs are his weakness. And I'm looking through the, the, what, what we've got on the two deeps. Well, Dean, that, real quick, that gets rid of our thing uh, about the concern for the linebackers. That's, right. that's, that's why Phil Parker gets paid the big bucks right, to coach continue. those linebackers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I rolled them off a week ago. But anyway, I guess not. I, I did not know he yeah. said that about um, the corners. And I'm not sure why, ahead. because wow. I'm looking through wow. this, and these guys have, you know, Raleigh Moss um, – have played corners for it. Have yeah, played. They've done well. And done I'll, well. I'll look at it. Um, uh, Dane Belton had a little playing time last year, right? He didn't or not. Dane Belton did not start the season. He came on like in the fourth or fifth game, and then he yeah. uh, started the rest of the way at, at the cast okay. position. So, and then I'm looking cast. through it, and I'm looking at – there's some unknown names here like – Terry Roberts backing up um, Riley Moss. Terry Roberts was not a name I had this season, this winter, when this summer when we were looking at it. Sebastian Castro. Right. I knew, I realized this is his first year to get on the field because he was a re- real freshman last year and redshirted. But um, I guess that was a name I hadn't considered yep. when I was looking at the newcomers from um, the year before. That was a name, too. So maybe this is what he's talking about, that his starters are solid, but his backups, yeah, he's got a little questions about them. <laughs> Did he say the corner or corner position is his biggest worry or the secondary? It, with, was it secondary well, or said, corner? I think he said or, the DB secondary is how he put it. 
Uh, okay, so uh, secondary. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, the, it, it, Kayvon Merriweather has not shown uh, mm-hmm. everything that he can be yet, uh, which is a lot. He can be a lot. I mean, the dude is an athletic freak. Um, Jack uh, Kerner uh, uh, will establish a lot of solid presence back there. Uh, so I feel great with him back there. And quite frankly, I think he's more athletic than Tyler Sash, uh, than, uh, than um, uh, who's the guy that, that's uh, on the Rams right now um, that started uh, that st- uh, start at safety for the Hawks. Um, gosh darn it, what is his name? Uh, I'm to, I, Dean, help I'm me out here. The guy, the, 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 uh, the, uh, here, I'm just going to type in Rams roster. Um, but uh, he, I think he's just as, as uh, uh, I think he's better than, than those guys, in my opinion. There you go. Uh, Jake Gervas. Um, and, and so I feel good there. Um, Terry Roberts reminds me 100% of a classic, uh, uh, Phil Parker find uh, that nobody was looking for. Two-star guy where he knew that if he could get him at Iowa, that he could coach him up. And if you remember, Dean, who was the guy that was that that made the Iowa State guy with the uh, the the punt on special teams uh, oh, last year? It. it was Terry Roberts, <laughs> and so yeah. <clears throat> So that does not surprise me. Um, but I do see his concern. Um, Julius Brents is only a sophomore. Uh, Riley Moss is a junior, but not a junior that has played as much as Matt Hankins had played going into his junior year. Um, Kayvon Merriweather has not. It, he's only played mm-hmm. one game, Dean. I mean, that's the fact of it. Um, Dane Belton has not started a game at safety. Um, and so that does worry, that does worry me a little bit. However, if there is one position that you and I know that Phil Parker can take care of and get the right guys in there and, and let's not act as though there's not a, that, that, that Iowa is lacking in, in young, talented guys that, that can step up to the challenge because, uh, outside of the two deeps, there's still a lot of young, talented guys that, that he can go to. Um, and so uh, it worries me a little bit, but not a lot. And uh, everything, uh, I, I think all will be well. And I still stick to uh, the fact that I think that uh, this team uh, can be better than last year's defense and can be which would mean that they would be the second and or first best defense Kirk Ferentz has ever had. Um, when I did a poll on Facebook, and, and polls are always skewed, especially when you ask a bunch of Hawkeye fans. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I think it was like uh, when I asked, do you think this year's defense will be better than last year's? Either A, I don't think the fans took into account right. just how good last year's defense was, and B, obviously, it was biased, um, and a majority of people said yes. Um, so I still am sticking to that, uh, and uh, everything looks good. No injuries. Uh, you know, uh, everything looks good. Tory Taylor is going to add 
uh, so, you know, Iowa is much better off when they are solid in the kicking game, which means kicker and punter. Um, so we're good there. Any last thoughts, Dean, for you guys? Because I, I took um, you over. I took you over your time. Uh, one thing I was wanted to, to say is is um, these these DBs are going to be severely tested against Purdue. But the thing I, I thought was really cool it, during the interviews is that one of them mentioned that they've been studying the Purdue film since they knew they were playing Purdue. So they're they're doing their homework. So they're not going right. to go into that game. <laughs> and this will be their yep. third time going against them, Dean. Riley Moss and Matt Hankins, this will be their third right. go-around yep. going and, against um, them. Yeah, so right, that's, go ahead. that's it. Um, I do got to run. I – you know, committed to this Bible study. So I'm going to go to it and you Amen, finish this and take us home, buddy. I'm going to leave you. Sounds good. Thanks, Dean. Uh, appreciate it as always. God bless. Have a good uh, Bible study. Um, the First, I want to mention going to 247hawkeye.com. Sorry it got split up there, um, and that kind of sucks because uh, now SoundCloud will not get the full recording, but it is what it is. Um, the only other thing to, to really talk about, it, it, yes, yes, I can sit here and be classic Nolan Hawkeye and digest this uh this depth chart but the bottom line is is i know how talented the defense is not only with veteran guys like Chauncey Golston Davion Nixon would even go in that category i mean Davion Nixon was so good last year he was pushing past Cedric Benson and Brady Reef to be on the field. It just depended on sometimes on whether Brady Reef and or Davion Nixon was playing better. Or excuse me, or Cedric Lattimore was playing better. Um, the Barrington Wade thing does not surprise me. Uh, in fact, it, it, it makes me very happy. Um, I am a little surprised that it's not Justin Jacobs, uh, who is that guy. Uh, but it looks like Iowa is grooming Justin Jacobs to take over the, the weak side linebacker. And the bottom line is this, is I said this before in the instant reaction to Tahir McCall and uh, and Jimon Colbert not playing. To hear McCall, it's fine because he still has, he'll still have four years of football ahead of him. When he comes back, he will still be a redshirt freshman. Jimon Colbert will still be a, let's see, uh, I, I think he's a redshirt um, uh, junior. He'll still be a redshirt junior, but the difference is both Seth Benson and Jack Campbell will become much better players. And on top of that, Jack Campbell has, if Phil Parker feels this good about his linebackers without Jimon Colbert, I don't think we're going to see Jimon get his spot back. I just don't. 
And maybe there is more to that story. I just kind of find it hard to believe that a kid who saw all this playing time decided to sit out. Or, or excuse me, uh, has decided to not play for Iowa at all. You know, because I've heard some rumors of that. I don't think that's true. I think you would have already seen Jimon transfer somewhere else. Why would he waste this time? Why would he waste time staying at Iowa now when he could easily go, just like Dylan Doyle did, somewhere else and get acclimated with that program? It is possible that Jimon just doesn't want to play football anymore. That is possible. Don't think that's true, though, considering how many games he has played and how much sweat, blood, and tears he has put into training. The guy obviously is big time into training or else he would not have gone from a four-star cornerback to a starting linebacker without training his A off. With that being said, I just don't see him getting a spot back. I think when when next year rolls around, I think Justin Jacobs will be fully ready to take on uh, the spot. Matter of fact, I think he's going to be so talented that he's going to be pushing Nick Neiman for that spot, as well as Barrington Wade at the cash position. Um, so that's good to hear about the linebacker position. Uh Tory Taylor love that 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 I was going to have this kid for four years. I'm not worried about the quarterback position. I'm just not. Guys, Matt Hankins has started for three years. I'm not worried about it. And Julius Brents is stupid talented. It's just he's not better than Matt Hankins right now. And if 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 if, if he is, or it's neck and neck. It's always going to go to the guy that started three years. It's always going to go to the guy with more experience. And that's not just an Iowa thing. That's any good coach, what any good coach would do. Um, Kayvon Merriweather not making the jump to either cash or uh, or uh, uh, strong safety uh, says a lot. Um, I think... To me, that shows me that he's even more raw than we thought um, coming out of high school. And he, and he w- simply just was not ready. And Phil Parker knew it last year, and that's why he had a backup plan in Jack Kerner. And that's why he put Jack Kerner in, no problem. Um, I will say, Sebastian Castro, not surprised by that. The guy has getting, been getting a ton of publicity as far as, and coming out of high school, I was surprised he wasn't a four-star guy. With Maybe the athletic stuff wasn't there, that the eye-popping athleticism, but when I watched his film, the dude smacked fools. And the dude absolutely reminded me of Geno Stone slash Bob Sanders. 100%. So, um, you know, um, Logan Lee, uh, the the last thing I want to say is the uh, defensive line. Everybody was worried about the defensive line in Iowa replacing three guys. Not an issue. Not an issue. 
Um, Iowa is at least going to have um, Iowa is at the very least going to have uh, a six-man rotation, uh, which is great. Uh, let's see what I was going to look at here. Um, I, for, I completely forgot what I was going to look at uh, as far as the uh, defensive line goes. Um, yeah, I, I, oh, uh, no, I was going to put on Facebook uh, that if you want to continue listening here, I'm, I'm literally going to say it out loud to you guys. If you want to continue listening to NHA podcast reaction and everything you need to know about Iowa press conference slash depth chart release release releasing go to periscope At two four seven Hawkeye, or wait and listen on Audacity. By the way, if you are going to start a podcast, Audacity is a great place to do it. Uh, it you know, it gives you a chance to make money. It does. Uh, you know that other places would not. Um, uh, like SoundCloud. SoundCloud, you have to pay to use it, which absolutely boggles my mind. I don't know what's going on here. This is crazy. But the Iowa defensive line, I'm sorry, guys, I shouldn't have put you through all that. The Iowa defensive line is going to have at least a six-guy rotation. And I think, unlike other years where... Uh, or last year where you had a Chauncey Golston who was so solid and you had uh, uh, A.J. Epinesa who was so solid and you really didn't need any rotation there. The only rotation you needed was on the defensive tackle position. I think this year you're going to get even more, which will allow guys like Joe Evans and other pass rush specialists to really get to the quarterback. And I think that is going to be big for this Iowa Hawkeye team. Um, so, you know, uh, I think at bare minimum, uh, six guys will, I, I don't know what's going on here. This is absolutely insane. Um, I'm going to uh, write it out again. Oh. And yes, by the way, folks, we are absolutely growing every freaking podcast which is awesome absolutely awesome um it makes me feel really good the only other thing really left to uncover here is you know a lot of people think that there's shake up at guard at the guard position i don't i think kyler shot is obviously going to start at right or left guard um i think justin Britt still has a chance to start at one of the guard positions but I think it's likely it's going to be Mark Kellenberger. I do. Um, 
or Koi Kronk. Um, as Iowa says, they how they do it is they get their best offensive linemen on the field. They don't do it by, well, who's going to be best here? Who's going to be best here? Who's going to be best here? If you are one of the best linemen, if you are one of the five best linemen that Iowa has, or one, yeah, two, three, one, two, three, four, yeah, five. One of the best five, <laughs> I had to do some out there. Five best linemen that Iowa has, you will get, Iowa will find a way to get you on there. Now, if you are so terrible, like say Mark Kellenberger and Koi Krunk are really, really good at right tackle, but you got to go with, and let's just say for the sake of the argument, you go with Koi Krunk and Mark Kellenberger is just awful at left guard and Kyler Schott cannot play left guard either. He can only play right guard. Those are rare situations. The only the other situation is that uh, that you have Mark Kellenberger, who is one of the five best uh, linemen in general that Iowa has, and I'm just using Kellenberger as an example. Uh, Koi Crunk starts at tackle, but. Cole Bamwert is just so damn good at left guard or whoever that Mark Kallenberger cannot, that it would be unwise to, to, to get, put Kallenberger there just to have the best five linemen, uh, on the field at the same time. Then that's the only other scenario. Other than that, Iowa always does the five best guys. And I think you're going to see one of Iowa's best. Offensive lines in a long time, which will be uh, Alaric Jackson on the left, Mark Kellenberger uh, at left guard, Tyler Linderbaum at center, right guard, Kyler Schott, right tackle, Koi Kronk. I think, I think it's as simple as that. Uh, n- no issues there. And I think Iowa is going to lean on people. I think they are going to lean on people. Um, I want to see... Uh, uh, what I do want to see what Kirk Ferentz said, if that is possible. Um, and, uh, here it is. Um, yeah, let's just go through it. We're one step close. Uh, no, uh, Just try to share some thoughts with you today, let you know a little bit what's going on in terms of our team. Just not only for you, but our fans, certainly. And it's obviously been very interesting and challenging uh, and challenging couple months for all of us. And we're just all very thankful that the Big Ten has moved forward so we have an opportunity to play and continue this season. Get it started. As I said earlier, we're excited to get started. We're certainly not ready to go, but we're excited to go. And whether it be the 23rd or the 24th, we don't know that yet, but really looking forward to having a chance to compete. I think our players have been extremely impressive the last couple weeks, but also throughout this entire period. I think they have been united. I think they have been focused. That's one thing I want to, I want to say. Another upside to the investigation is I do think that 
uh, as somebody with a master's in industrial organizational psychology and a former Division One athlete, um, competition breeds success as well as um, getting emotions out onto the table, to uh, onto the battlefield, so to speak, uh, to let... Uh, understanding rise as victor and be united. Friendship rise as victor. And I really do believe that. Um, I think they have been focused and they have worked extremely hard and we have really seen a change in our team since they announced the season was back on. So it's been really good that way. Like any preseason camp, and this isn't like any preseason camp, the psychology of it is very strange. To be out there and really not face any heat challenges, it's a little bit weird to see the leaves changing colors and wearing sweatshirts and long pants at times. It's been a little different. That actually makes me feel good about the Iowa Hawkeyes that they that they get to practice uh, while it's cold uh, outside <laughs> uh, when it's most certainly going to be very cold way sooner than usual uh, in the Hawkeye schedule. Um, let's see if there's anything else that we can get to. Uh, just looking, don't care about the COVID thing. One thing of note came to my attention that Cole Bamworth's name was not on the too deep that we issued, and that's probably a f reflection of my real kind of lack of concern for a too deep at this time of year, especially when we put this out. So Cole, Cole Bamworth 100% is in the fold, guys. 100% Cole Bamworth is in the fold to start. And I would think so. I would think so. I mean, guys... He was on his way to being a, uh, an, another classic NFL second first round draft pick at guard as he was a starter as a sophomore. Or even, uh, he might have even been a starter as, as a redshirt freshman. I can't remember. But the dude has seen a ton, a ton of snaps. Just injuries and things like that have hampered the development. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, so our goal is ready to get, our goal is to get ready for an eight, nine game season. Um, Cole, uh, so this was the question. Uh, I don't really care about that. Is it fair that you'll never take the fall for granted again? Kirk Ferentz, yeah. There's routine involved when you've been it, especially as long as you've had uh, routine. Great. Um, let's. Uh, th you guys will like this one. You've been bullish on Spencer for a long time. Last year, he won the backup job against somebody who is a little more veteran than him. And by the way, folks, doing a very good job at Abilene Christian. And then he became the starter basically right after the season ended. What? is it that you have seen in him that's elevated him to that role? And why do you think he's built to be successful in it? Kirk Ferentz response. And then we're going to get out of here because I think I'm going to do a whole separate Kirk Ferentz response and, and what he said. Like all the guys on our roster, we certainly liked him in the recruiting phase of things. And recruiting's a big percentage of that of that is projection. Based on what you learn about a prospect and then what you see, I want to say this again because I want fans to totally understand this about the recruiting process. Like all the... Like all the guys on our roster, we certainly liked him in the recruiting phase of things. And recruiting 
a big percentage of that is projection. Based on what you learn about a prospect and then what you see and then what you think maybe they can grow into. Until you get them on campus, you never, you're never quite sure. And I think it was really last November where at least me personally, I felt like we saw Spencer and November would have been when uh, I, at the end of last year for Iowa, Nebraska, uh, with those games, I think maybe even Wisconsin, where at least me personally, I felt like we saw Spencer starting to hit his stride a little bit and gain the confidence and showed some things that maybe would give you thought that he could become a really good player in our program. So I think we saw that. We saw that continue in December, and the fact that Nate's gone now certainly opens the door for him. But yeah, we're really pleased with what we know about him, what we have seen of him on the field, off the field, the way he works with his teammates, which, by the way, guys, in my opinion, he works really well. The way he talked to Gary Dolphin, the way, you know, things like that. The guy does have a swagger to him, and knowing him personally, he is uber confident without... He is exactly what you would expect of a of a guy who knows the talent that he has in his arm, but he's also a Christian. He reminds me a lot of C.J. Beathard, just more talkative when it comes to the media, which doesn't surprise me because the media and things like that have been around since Spencer was a kid, whereas C.J. Beathard, it wasn't like that. That that was a new thing that came about. You're starting to see players be more and more comfortable with the media now. Um, but yeah, we're pleased uh, with what we know about him on the field, the way he works with his teammates, and I'll echo that. Alex Padilla, too. I've seen him in the last two weeks, I guess, just kind of gain some confidence, too, and do some really good thing, things as well. Folks, this is what I'll say about the quarterback competition. It is Spencer's job, okay? It is. I think Kirk Ferentz would have pushed for Alex much more in that question if it was not Spencer. But I do think it is possible that Alex is the type of guy to stay to see if A, Spencer has such a crazy year that he goes off to the NFL after this season, and or, and or B, um, starts as a senior like Chan, uh, uh, Chandler did way back when. I think that's also completely, completely possible. Um, actually, Spencer Petras is a sophomore, so uh, he would he would have two years with the Hawkeyes. So if I'm Alex Padilla, I feel 100% confident. And what I always tell people is injuries happen all the time. No, I don't want Spencer to get injured. But I also don't want to lose Alex Padilla. So if I'm Alex Padilla, I keep working my A off and and... Uh, you never know. Spencer could have a massive season with the massive weapons he has. And he's off to the NFL as a junior, especially as a 6'5", 231-pound guy. Come on. Get real. Um, so Alex Padilla, too. I've seen him in the last two weeks, I guess, just kind of gained some confidence, too. And I do 
uh, and do some really good things as well. So it's just part of a player's progression, and we feel really good about him, but the facts are that he hasn't played yet. Really hasn't played any significant snaps. But we can say that about a lot of our players, at some point, you get out there on the field, nobody comes here as a veteran college player. Just true. Um, so I just think he'll be quick to handle it. Everything that's going to come at him, knowing that there's going to be up and downs, just like every position. But obviously his position's a little bit more prominent and everybody's got a few more opinions about what quarterbacks do than maybe some other <laughs> positions. Love that comment. Very true. Um, let me see something here. Um, I think, again, obviously, he is the uh, presumptive starter. Um, and that is that. I'm going to stop it on Periscope. Thanks, Periscope, for listening. Um, hopefully, you guys, uh, and I'm going to share it. Yeah, it's, it's obvious, guys, that he is going to be the starter. And Iowa, in my opinion, has a good backup in Alex Padilla and, quite frankly, in Deuce Hogan. Um, you know, Deuce Hogan, I would feel completely confident for two reasons. Number one, the options that I have um, at the position of wide receiver and positions like that and running back, but also um, sometimes freshmen don't know what's good for them. And they literally, uh, because they don't know what's good for them, they just ball out because they don't know any better. So I would feel completely confident with that. We're going to go for six more minutes uh, looking at uh, Kirk Ferentz's answers and responding to them, and then we are out. Can only give you guys so much free content. By the way, guys, if you guys do want to help, um, you guys can help through PayPal. Uh, you can go to 247hawkeye.com and give a donation. Um, you can uh, help by listening and sharing Audacity uh, podcasts. Um, and if you want to be a sponsor of 247hawkeye.com or if you want to sponsor the podcast by itself, you can do that as well. Um, we've had sponsors before and it works and it's been great. So there's that. Um what was it like for you in August when you heard that there was going to be no football? Don't really care about that question. We haven't talked about it as much because of all circumstances. I had to pause it because I just wanted to find the questions that I wanted to answer. Here, here's one question because the media always asks just dumb questions, quite frankly. We haven't talked about it as much because of all the circumstances of this season, and I know you'll probably say the same thing you say every year, but what are your expectations for your team as far as how they, perfor how they perform and where you guys are going to be in the Big Ten? And I think, guys, we're going to end on this one and then maybe come back to some of the things that Kirk Ferentz said because, obviously, you can uh, look it up for yourselves as well. And I'll give you my reaction to what he said. Our expectations are always to have a good team. That's our goal. That's our expectation. This year's a challenging year, but again, it's a challenging year for everybody. Absolutely true. This, 
every team on Iowa's schedule has the same issue that Iowa has. So there's no excuse. No excuse. You can't use the excuse of the pandemic or anything like that because everybody has the same thing. It's just who is going to basically perform the best and have prepared the best given the circumstances. And I feel very confidently that the cream will rise to the top and that will be teams like Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Anyways, I did come to that conclusion months ago that genetics and having an experienced quarterback would be two really good things this year. But all that being said, just watching our guys work, watching them practice, I don't know if we can get there by the 23rd, 24th, whenever it is we tee it up. I don't know if we're going to be ready to go, but I feel that way every year. You're never quite sure you're going to be ready, which, by the way, guys, I do think has been kind of a thing that has slowed Kirk Ferentz down in some years. You know, I think he has had some really talented teams that even with the talent, he it's not that he has trouble assessing, but it, it, he has trouble feeling confident and 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 probably exuberating that confidence to his fellow team. Uh, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with a team. Like, let's use the Iowa basketball team, for example. There is nothing wrong with the team knowing how good they are and continuing to have that swagger going into a season. Now, making sure that they don't, that they still practice hard is something to do, but overdoing it is also possible. I think maybe Kirk Ferentz has done that in the past. Um, anyways. But then the good news is that like you watch our guys work and they're, wor and they're working hard and they're trying and they're together and they want to be good. So we can get there fast enough. Or, or so can we get there fast enough? Can we be ready to go? But that's the fun uh of it is the challenge. I think everybody's realistic that that we're hardly there right now. We have a lot of work to do, so we'll see what we can do about getting there. And if it doesn't work out in that first one, then we'll get back on our feet on Sunday and flush it by Monday and get ready for the next one and just keep going down that street. But I would like to think we have a chance to have a good football team, but we have to get it done. And that's the fun part is the doing. I'm going to end on that, folks. I love that uh, answer for the most part. Don't like that. I don't know. Coaches are always like this, even Nick Saban. Uh, Nick Saban playing Vanderbilt would point out problems with how his team has practiced during the week and, and things like that. And I think that is a way of getting your team to keep pushing the rock up the hill. And so deep down inside, I think he knows what he has. And I think you heard it at the end of the question. And deep down inside, he knows uh, that they will be ready for Purdue. And if they're not, uh, it won't be the player's fault. It will be his fault straight up because football. Yes. 
uh, I would say 30 to 40% comes down to talent. Most of it is coaching. I would say it's 30% talent, 20% effort, and the rest coaching. That's what I would say. Maybe a little bit more talent, a little bit less effort. I don't know. Or vice versa. Um, so, but anyways, guys, that's what we're going to end on. And, uh, it was great being able to finally see the depth chart. It was great being able to look at all that. Uh, the, the only thing that kind of was confusing to me was the Koi Kronk, Jack Heflin thing. I still do think that Jack Heflin with, uh, and Davion Nixon will be the starting defensive tackles. Um, unless Austin Schultz is ready to go. If Austin Schultz really is ready to go, then he will obviously that that shows that he may have a monster season. Um, same with Davion Nixon, um, and then John Wagner. Kind of strange that he's been uh, a defensive end and now he's not. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but other than that, great to see it. Football is back. The, the rug is not going to be pulled out from under or under us. Can't wait. It's a it's a great time, guys. Continue listening to the podcast. It continues to grow. Uh, our audience continues to become even bigger. It's awesome. Again, I say this all the time. We don't do this for ourselves. We do this for you to get the content to you for you. Uh, whether people listen or not, me and Dean would still do this. But since people do listen, we want to get as much content to you as possible without charging you a dime. Uh, again, the best way you can help us if you do want to help financially is, uh, you know, to go to 247hawkeye.com, buy a shirt, uh, uh, give a donation through PayPal, uh, Cash App, or j- to be honest, the biggest thing, share the podcast of Audacity. And listen, tell your friends, share it to Nebraska and Iowa State fans. Um, a big thanks to Dean. Hope he has a good time at his Bible study. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. Remember, DBAP, don't be a pussy willow. And facts over feelings, feelings don't matter. Love you guys. Have a good rest of your day. And go Hawks.